0: Hello, this is episode 198 of the Purple Psychology Podcast. I'm Dr. Nisha Riley. This episode is on migration. This is another one of those podcasts of what's running through my mind, and I don't have all the answers. But a pandemic and a global climate change crisis might be a really good backdrop to ask the questions. One of the biggest issues facing the world right now is migration, and nowhere is immune from it. But there are many ways that this is an issue, Can you really believe that in this age that you can't move countries and have your degree taken seriously? I think this is one of the simplest forms of racism. It's based in pure snobbery. Everyone tells you to go study for a career, a needed one, and travel the world with it. But it doesn't work like this. I think it's in moments such as this that I feel that education is a sham. When are we going to make pieces of paper equal? When are we not going to cash in on foreign students? And when are we going to accept that humans move around the globe? We always have, and we always will. When are we going to manage to open up this right and have a system where migration works? Because it's not going to go away. And in fact, with climate change, it's going to become more common. When migrants are white, posh, educated, and homeless, will we change the migration? Will we have a redefinition of it? Or will we just have a two-tier system? I shared a really interesting article on my Facebook, It's Public. In Vancouver, Canada, they gave homeless people an investment of $7,500 each. What happened, do you think? After a year, 67% of the people could still feed themselves every day. And when you looked at the breakdown of where they spent the money, over 50% of it went on rent and food. There was some one-off purchases of items such as a bicycle or a laptop. The economy actually saved money per individual, a substantial amount of money per individual, because they didn't have to put the money into sheltered accommodation or into other emergency services. Everyone took it as an opportunity to turn their lives around. That they had a real reason to try to make it work. That there was an investment in them as an individual rather than a crisis-managed drip-feed system of support that wasn't actually changing the cycles. Everybody had an opportunity to rewrite the script for themselves and to actually have control over their own lives and their own destiny. Could you imagine if each country invested in our migrant population in the same way? We currently, in Ireland, have people in what can only be described as holding pens, and some of them are very young children at this stage, on a minimal subsistence a week, without any real access to change, society, or education, or the workplace. And some of these people have travelled here with careers that we're not even recognising. And they're completely depressed, which is not surprising. Most countries thrive on having a migrant population. And I was very interested to read in a John Lewis book recently the description of how the border was opened up in the States for Mexican migrants to come in because they were seen as a much needed element of the workforce particularly for textiles and manufacturing. And then when the crash happened in the stock market in 1929, there began the rumblings of serious racism towards them. And so they were rounded up and forced to deport. And at that stage, many of the people who were deported were actually American citizens. And some of them had even been born in America at that stage. But there are many ways that I see in Ireland where we, in one sense, are more open to people travelling from within Europe and less open to the people that we're taking in from Syria. But in the same tone, I'm also very aware that many of the Eastern Europeans come here with qualifications that are not recognised and no one takes the time to explain to them that they've actually done the equivalent when you compare our education system here. And that even if they did need to do a minimal amount of education here, that they should basically barter for that right to be able to do that so that they can invest less in education and get through the system quicker and get the qualification that they need to start in the workplace. But most of the colleges won't want to explain that to people because they're quite happy to feed off the foreign student population. And I think it's going to be very interesting in places now because the likes of India has completely restructured its education system. And in theory, they shouldn't have to travel to Europe to study and to be qualified and to be recognized in many ways. The restructuring of their education system, which I read, seems very comparable. So when are we going to look at pieces of paper in a fair and equal way? Every course has a curriculum and after that, If you do wish to travel, it's, you know, whether it's English language skills you're looking at or other language skills, for those skills to be comparable. But everybody has to learn on the job, on the other side, regardless of whether you're a teacher, a doctor, a nurse, a mechanic, a lawyer, or a sanitation worker. You all continue learning after education. No education makes you completely fit for any job. But it's just that we have a system that we like to judge people and to judge their piece of paper, and to judge where they're coming from, and to not fundamentally accept migration. And I think education is one of the ways that we can see that we most don't accept migration on the planet. And this is an aspect of humans that's going to continue. And many of the jobs that we need for climate change going forward need to be green economy jobs. Like, in one sense, one of the things that we most need on the planet right now are tree planters.